Welcome to episode 79 of Friends of Film with Podcast Gus Lace Movie News and Theatrical Releases. On this episode, we'll cover Creed 2, Green Lantern's possible director, Nick Fury, and Captain Marvel, and more after we review Spider Man Homecoming. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching us at Friends and Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who's open to playing Drago's son, Josh Straley. Well, you know, the Russians don't really have a good name right now. That's so true. I think I'm going to have to pass up on that offer. Is your Russian accent any good? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. No, see, it just comes out, so I am on the spot. All right, level. well, you know. I'll be practicing, though. Sly Stallone, if you're uh, if you're looking for anybody, <laughs> maybe give Josh a call. If not, uh, at least you got to watch Spider-Man Homecoming this week. Mm-hmm. As did I. That's what we're going to be reviewing, and we're going to start with that. But we are going to get into spoilers because there's some very interesting stuff to talk about with this movie in particular. Once we do, there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you can skip ahead. But otherwise, let's get right into it. Josh, well, what do you think? Uh, yeah, okay. So Spider-Man, I think I've said before, is my favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. And this latest attempt by Sony to bring him back, uh, you know, is exactly what I was after. It Like, the movie just teems with Tom Holland's is like vibrant youthful energy and that's what spider-man is and they and they nail it peter parker in this movie is written as well as ever it finally gets the sweet spot between um a dorky kid in school and his fun loving eccentric alter ego uh they they nailed it now um it's refreshing and fun uh watching him you know grapple with how to be uh, a superhero and it's th- that's the ultimate core of this movie. Um, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Happy Hogan, John, John Favreau, uh, is in the movie a lot more than I thought he was yeah. going to be. And I, I thought that was fantastic. He's Peter Parker's handler, and you know they're they're his guardrails in the city of New York. While it's his uh, uh, his 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 testing his testing grounds his proving grounds, and that's and that's fantastic. Um, and you know he's got a wonderful supporting cast along with them and i think they make the movie they they sell everything about it whether it's jacob Batalone's ned and just his 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 in awe of everything which is fantastic um and then there's zendaya who's sort of she's deadpan and like kind of like shock funny and just i don't know sarcasm Mm -hmm. is perfect and spot on but then there's hannibal burris and martin Starr who make up uh, gym teacher and the the principal or no no uh, he's not the principal the Catalan leader yeah, yeah. a science teacher something like that and their their deadpan is just hilarious uh, especially Hannibal Burris when he's uh, introducing cap videos and things like that which which are hilarious but um you know one of the things about the Sam Raimi Spider Man's that they did so well was the city of New York. And this movie gets that too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just a place for superheroes to blow things up, you know, and yeah. try to save, quote unquote. Peter's got a relationship with everyone in the city. And um, the deli was used and abused, like, you know, in the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it was just that interaction or that idea that this is the place Peter Parker calls home. And, and they totally they totally got that. Um, and, of course, I, I don't think I can say enough about what, how great of a villain michael keaton is whether it's his backstory um in his the conflicts that he's got but also it's just keaton playing a comically sinister 
villain. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't walk over to the too dark and too serious part of the but he doesn't seem like a you know, a cartoon either. He he fits perfectly in the the vibrant poppy, the Blitzkrieg bop, you know, <laughs> that right, Spider Man yeah. is. And I, uh, I thought that was a fantastic montage with that song. Um but my my problems with the movie come from basically the 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 excitement around it okay. and that's the connections to the larger marvel world the movie runs about two hours and 15 minutes mm-hmm. and i would say there's a good half hour that's just dedicated to telling you or showing you or letting you know hey spider-man's in the marvel cinematic universe so let's have uh, a great montage of his uh video diary mm-hmm. around civil war which is cute and fun you know and it was a great way to reintroduce him back to the film but then the the 15 minute protracted ending sequence where they just wanted to show you, Hey, here's the, here's all the Avenger stuff. Ooh, Mm -hmm, look at this and shiny. Well, it was fun and cool to watch. Um, it was like, all right, but let's get back to Ned and uh, Zendaya or well, uh, Michelle and like, you know, everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where it knocked me down a notch. Um, but it's that, the parts throughout the movie too. And this is a franchise building movie. And, you know, you can clearly see that Watts had a laundry list of Easter eggs and, um, you know, character setups and all sorts of things that he needed to hit. And anytime the movie I thought found a fun beat, it had to go on to the next thing real quick, whether it was showing off, you know, the slew of baddies that are going to pop up, you know, in the five movie saga that they're planning now or whatever the case is. Yeah. And so there wasn't really any time for us to, you know, see it may do anything other than give a, like a 10 second pep talk and then show him how to do a dance or tie his tie. And I was like, well, that's, that's an important part of like, you know, Peter Parker that I'm here to see. And all of those elements just, sped by too fast and uh, i was i was let down by that but um all in all i really loved it i thought it was a great movie but not perfect so i'm gonna give it four out of five ticket stubs okay fair enough uh for me uh, just like you know when those rumors first started a couple years ago that you know sony and marvel were maybe working on a deal i was like yeah it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. and but then thinking about it and like you hear you know previous reports like Oh, uh, you know, an amazing Spider-Man. They wanted to put Avengers Tower in the background and kind of hint that it's in the same universe, or that you know other deals that were in the works at one point to kind of bring these two universes together. So, I know like one of your big complaints right there was like it felt too connected to the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just knew going in that that wasn't going to be a problem for me because I wanted I wanted that, and I felt like this is what I had been asking for and based on the final results, what I got, I got a really great movie that sees Spider-Man interacting in the Avengers world. And it was basically everything I could have asked for, even though, you know, with two studios coming together, there are some questions that arise in my canon mind that we can address later on. But just starting off with Tom Holland, I mean, this guy is the perfect Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at you know the Raimi and Maguire trilogy, Maguire is a probably perfect Peter Parker up until Spider-Man three, <laughs> uh, until he goes emo. <laughs> but 
in the Spider-Man suit, he's not quite as believable. Mm -hmm. Andrew Garfield, you can't really ever buy that this guy is like some weird outcast nerd who can't get dates. But in the Spider-Man suit, you know, he's got the quips. He has like the slender build of Spider-Man. Like he look, he makes the Spider-Man part work. And for Tom Holland, he just does everything right. You know, he's he's funny. Um, but you know, when he's still in the high school setting, it's not that he's trying to act like, oh, you know, I'm not as cool, but you know, mm-hmm. my powers. It's that he's legitimately awkward, yeah. and it, you can see that whether it's him interacting with Liz or Zendaya or whatever it is, like you just see, oh there's something you're just like oh, this guy is awkward i can see why ned is his only friend and like you know the highlight of their week is building a death star lego right like, yes. i get that it makes so much sense um but the the counterpoint to him is michael keaton's vulture and i think he's probably one of the mcu's best villains yeah. uh i mean he's he's relatable in a sense where his his motives are just you you get it it's not like oh you know he's just some crazy power guy you're like oh, okay his world was basically screwed over by the Avengers. And now he's using the events of Avengers to basically help him Mm -hmm. stay afloat, provide for his family and everything. And that's what makes him work. And there's, there's great parts in the third act between, you know, between like between just him and Spider-Man just fighting or talking or whatever it is that, that is why you bring Michael Keaton into this movie is so you have that villain that you're like, he's equally terrifying but understandable. Yeah. And I think just all, all that combined makes for a great coming of age movie, which is, I know exactly what Marvel studios wanted and John Watts, Kevin Feige, Amy Pascal, they all wanted this. And I think they did it, you know, to a great degree. Just, you see him rise, you know, from being, you know, the, the high off civil war to being told, all right, now just, you know, stay in your little corner and do your thing. He's like, but I like his like the first 20 minutes is a lot of him saying happy I'm I'm ready I mm-hmm. want to do more I feel like I could do more and he never gets the opportunity but then you know eventually like he continues to show you know I am worthy of you know being an avenger or you know just helping save the world and doing more than just you know stopping bank robberies and stuff like he has the ability to do so much more and I can't wait to see the rest of that happen in the MCU and a lot and you know That'll probably mostly come with Iron Man right by his side, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. And, you know, I was worried going in that, you know, maybe, you know, he was going to be in it too much, that he was going to, you know, end up saving the day and it'd be more Iron Man 4 than Spider-Man Homecoming. And the trailers made it look like that a lot. But in reality, he is not in this movie that much. And I liked that. I think... It, it, it focused a lot on Spider-Man. You could still feel Tony Stark's influence. Yes. Yeah. But him physically being there or saving the day or coaching up Peter, a lot of that is – it's not in the movie as much as I expected it would be. Uh, you know, you mentioned all of the other kids that are in uh, Peter's school. Mm-hmm. Jacob Batalone is Ned. I mean, yeah, he, he stole every scene he was in. He's super funny. <laughs> Hopefully, he gets the chance to do a lot more because – I mean, his just natural comedic timing and everything and his just yeah. delivery is is excellent. I mean, he has a great moment. I think one of his last lines in the movie uh, comes in like the third act, like around the dance, and it is... Uh, yeah, his it guy is, in the chair is, moment. It is yeah. perfect. Uh, you don't expect it to go, then they do it. And, you know, the rest of the cast, whether it's Laura Harrier, Zendaya, uh, Tony Revolori, uh, and Gory Rice and her, like, newscaster partner, <laughs> there's so much just great stuff that, like... It goes by quick, yeah, but 
it makes those those little those little moments are what help make that mm-hmm. move this movie so much greater in it in its entirety. Yeah. Uh, if I have to nitpick a few things, I think the action isn't that great. Uh, there, it's not it's not as memorable. I think, at least personally, as a lot of other Marvel movies, you look at Doctor Strange, Ant Man, Guardians Two, whatever it is. There's always that one sequence you're like, you know, opening night, you're applauding, you're you're grinning, you're like, wow, I can't believe I just saw that. And it felt like in Spider Man Homecoming there wasn't a lot of that, but it also didn't feel like that's what this movie was about. It was about the smaller story. And so, even though I didn't get to see, you know, him doing these huge giant, you know, swings through parks or through the buildings, like I still got, I got to see him like run across the golf course and stuff. (laughs) And that was funny. And it it ended up working a lot of the times, but I Mm -hmm. still wish there was that one moment where I'm like that, that Spider-Man in an action sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, Other thing, there's very cool MCU connections. A lot of those that I love that maybe you don't love as much in Easter eggs. But there's one very big one that has been bothered have bothered me basically from like five minutes in until now, where I'm okay. still wondering like this doesn't add up, and it's it's bugged me. I know it's bugged a lot of other people I've seen. Is that timeline issues? To. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, yeah, that is just that bugged me instantly when I saw it because I was like, that no, <laughs> like it's something so simple they could have fixed. Or it means something much larger in terms of the entire MCU that, you know, it just hasn't been as clear as it, you know, as I think it should be. So um, I think both of those things can, will, could fade in time with re- repeat viewings. I've only seen it once. Uh, I wanted to see it again before this, but I was like, I feel like I know basically where I stand and I'll, I'll see, you know, where it, ha- where it uh, goes after this. But yeah, I mean, you know, happy, you know, he was great. I liked Aunt May when she was in it. I agree. She wasn't as, as much as I maybe wanted, but you know, people are always flirting with her or yeah. uh, she's, she's making quips. It worked. And uh, all in all, it was just a really fun time. It wasn't, I don't think it, for me, it's not like, you know, Marvel's best movie. I think it's up there for maybe being one of the best Spider-Man movies. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to give it four and a half ticket stubs all right. out of five. Red. Okay. So, uh, Let's just move into spoilers because there's uh, a lot of stuff to talk about sure. with this, and that way we can just kind of discuss everything freely without you know worrying about it. So mm-hmm. from this point forward, spoilers on Spider-Man: Homecoming. You have been warned. If you haven't seen it yet and you want to still hear the news and the big question of the week, there'll be a timestamp to skip ahead to both of those. But uh, where do you want to start, spoiler-wise? Well, can we start with I think who I think is the the second main event of this movie, and okay. that's Michael Keaton. Yeah, because he he's got an important. Uh, which will we'll touch on your timeline problems, I yeah. think. But um, movie opens up. We're in the aftermath of the Battle of New York. Mm-hmm. The, Jat- the big slug-like Jatari uh, thing is in the middle of Penn Station or you know some subway yeah, yeah. place. And Michael Keaton's crew is working on digging it all up. And he gets uh, pulled aside and said that his government contract is void. And Tony Stark's uh, Department of Disaster... Damage Control. Damage Control uh, is taken over. So he loses out on a job and his career and his, all of that. And that's like his inspiration to go after, um, all the, the other alien. Chitauri tech. And yeah. yeah. So I, for, I thought that was a great way to dig into the collateral damage mm-hmm. of the, of the outside 
outsized Marvel world and, you know, get down to the people and get down to the what happens to New York exactly. after that. And I thought that was I thought that was really great. And then that's kind of where uh, him and Spider-Man start to clash as his weapons make it onto the streets. And Spider that's what Spider-Man is here for. To right. Stop common criminals. And before that is when they do the time jump where after that opening sequence yeah. and he loses it and they still like, oh, you know, boss, we still have this one this one van full of target that we haven't turned over. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do with it? And he's like, let's keep it. So on black market, we'll make a fortune, make all this other cool stuff with it. Sell that as well. And then it ju- jumps eight years to civil war. And if you've been paying attention to the whole MCU canon and everything, and just the way they've talked about it, where events take place and you know, the timeline is basically agreed upon that you know phase one and phase or all of phase one takes place in about a year or two up until 2012 so about 2010 2012 is when those events take place and then from 2012 on unless explicitly stated otherwise those events are taking place in real time so like civil war took place 2016 ant-man took place in 2015 same with avengers 2 and everything but with this time jump that meant that spider homecoming is taking place in 2020 mm-hmm but only two months after Civil War. So Civil War would have taken place in like March-ish of yeah. 2020, which means where does all those other movies fit in? You know, it's is there just a bigger gap between them? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I know why they did this, because they've said that they want to make it so Spider-Man's trilogy can all be in high school. And so then the third movie ends with him graduating and he's, so he's a sophomore now, the third one, he's going to be a junior and that one's coming out in 2021. So for this one to take place or yeah. Yeah, So for this one to take place in 2020 as he's ending his sophomore year for then in 2021, him to be in his junior year, it makes sense time, uh, timeline wise that way. But now it's just making me reflect on, okay, is there just bigger gaps between these movies or, you know, is Dr. Strange like takes years Mm -hmm. to go through training instead of, you know, taking, you know, you know, six months as it made it seem like in the movie or, you know, did Avengers two take place six years after Avengers instead of like three or four, like there's all these questions that have been going through my mind and I've been dying and I have a mission to rewatch every Marvel (laughs) thing ever just so I can get like, okay, here's a newspaper clipping with a date here. So I can try to figure out where everything works because mm-hmm. as a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, continuity is one of the big things that is keeping this move, this universe moving and working. And if they are starting to like, you know, let little things like this fall through where, okay, oh, we just didn't think about it for whatever reason. Then I like, they didn't make it known why they made this decision and like, say and give me that timeline or you know i don't know but it's just been bothering me no i hear you i i didn't even realize this was an issue oh yeah um because i saw i saw the eight year thing and i was like oh hey cool that now that fits with the whole fan theory of spider-man being able to be at uh the stark expo 
because you figured that kid's like five years right, old. Right, right, yeah. And then you it, skip it does, four it years. It does also work it, with that, it does, yeah. It did, it did work with that. So it's like, oh, cool, they, they did that. Yeah, if he's, if he's six in Iron Man 2, which takes place like 2010, mm-hmm. then, you know, eight years later, <laughs> yeah, he'd be 15 like yeah. he is in the movie. Un- unbeknownst to me, the collective, um, not freak out, but the, the massive cracks that were yes. <laughs> emanating yeah. from A that. A fellow uh, Screen that. Rant writer did this huge yeah. breakdown. That's what I read and, before I came in here. Uh, yeah, great job it's from alex so uh, if you want to know like go into deep dive of what this is all about you can find it there and yeah he really breaks everything down really really well and that's where i think i I agree with him in his theory but i still need to just like go through and watch everything for myself and make out a huge map because apparently marvel has this like scroll of just like events and time in this universe and i need to i need to see that yeah <laughs> like release that i will pay a lot of money to have a <laughs> copy of that marvel uh just so i know for certain where everything's happening but that's that that's not maybe the biggest you know yeah, shocker it, or spoiler in the movie it didn't cause the audible gaps gasps in the theater like this next thing. I yeah, think. yeah. I I was legitimately shocked. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who followed this movie very, very closely, I thought for sure I knew what, you know, the big twist would be. It would be that, you know, either as in Day's character, Michelle, it would be MJ or that she would be Toombs' daughter. And it turns out she is MJ and we'll get to that later. But yeah. the biggest thing that shocked me was that Liz, Laura Harrier, is actually Adrian Toomes' daughter. Yeah, and you don't find this out until Peter um, finishes his getting ready for the dance montage, Yeah, shows up at Liv's door, um, a house that you've already seen from a party earlier, yep. so you already know what to expect, and then all of a sudden, Michael Keaton's face just pops out, and it's mm-hmm. his, he's, he's already established himself as the, the film's baddie, but when he's coming across as an overeager father with that same face, yeah. you just it just hits you, and you're like, "Oh no!" Yeah. And the awkward um, son to or you know boyfriend yeah. uh, father relationship just goes is like lit on fire. Yeah. And I you're think, like, "Oh, this is incredibly awkward." And that's where I think Holland was like delivered that awkwardness so well because mm-hmm. in that whole thing, like they're like you know liz's mom's like okay guys let's take some cute pictures and stuff and get ready to leave and the whole time peter's just like awkwardly smiling and like just staring at (laughs) michael keaton instead of like looking at the camera and they're like oh okay good 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 pictures guys Mm -hmm. um let's go and she's like liz is like is that a corsage he's like yeah just hands it over just like staring just dead-eyed at michael keaton and yeah i mean i thought that i was a twist i didn't see coming for sure and uh the subsequent, you know, uh, conversation that comes right after that in the car mm-hmm. where, you know, <laughs> Keaton puts two and two together that, oh, this kid's not only dating my daughter currently mm-hmm. or taking her to a dance at the very least. This is Spider-Man, the well, kid that has been yeah. thwarting my every attempt to provide for my family this entire time. Yeah. But I mean, but the progression even is, oh, this guy works for Tony Stark. He's an intern. You're like, oh, no, yeah. he's not going to like that. Then it goes from, oh, and he knows Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> then you're just like, oh, yeah. he's, he's toast now. And then all of a sudden, Michael Keaton's, you know, it clicks in Michael Keaton's head. And you're like, oh. Yeah, because he's like, oh, it must have been, uh, you know, pretty scary out there. And you know, then Liz is like, at DC when the, the Spider-Man saves, you know, the whole, that whole mm-hmm. class trip. And yeah. she's like, Oh, actually Peter wasn't there. And he's like, Oh, and Peter's like, yeah, I was, uh, 
watching from the ground. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, like you just like instantly see him like make those connections. And then he's like, he does the f- the whole dad thing where he's just like, all right, Liz, you know, get out of the car and give him the dad, the dad talk for a second. And he just like pulls out a gun and like sets it on like the passenger seat and just turns yep. around and looks dead at Peter. And it's like, mm-hmm. you either forget about this yeah, and leave me alone or I'm going to kill you mm-hmm. basically. And Peter's just like, uh, doesn't know what to say and just yeah. gets out. And yeah, I mean that, that may have been my favorite scene in the movie just because of just the, the, the tension yeah. <laughs> that takes place in that car is is awesome. It was built to perfectly, and Keaton Keaton delivered the performance that I can only describe as creepy clown without makeup. Because right. he just he was just like, yeah, you are so doomed, dude. Uh-huh. And oh, it was it was absolutely terrific. And that yeah, that is that is a new high, I think, for Michael Keaton acting yeah. wise. I mean, other than right, I mean, he spotlight. He, he, yeah, uh, and like that you is, know, that's he, got, he got an Oscar for like Birdman and stuff, right. and like yeah, I mean. He's a he's a great actor and everything, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he really uh, he really shined through there. Uh, but yeah, we, the other thing we mentioned, it turns out Zendaya is MJ. Yeah, you know, after all this time, you know, it's true. Uh, are you okay with the the oh. twist and everything? You're good with it. I don't. I guess it wasn't even a twist though. It was just sort of like, oh, my first name is Michelle. Yeah, or, it was like my friends call me MJ, and, and they're like, like, oh, cool. We're your friends now. She's like. Yeah, and we're like, yay! Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> I just, I don't, I mean, I get it, like why you would keep it hidden and all that with that. Yeah. I just don't get the big deal about. Let's, I think I don't think they actually said she wasn't, did they? No. Yeah. No. But they just, just a, they just kept saying, my name is Michelle. So I don't know if mm-hmm. they're if they're changing up. So her name's her full name's not Mary Jane. Yeah. And her name's Michelle Jane or whatever it is. Michelle's just her nickname. I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't care. I don't care that she's not a redhead. I don't care that she is, you know, <laughs> she's not a white redhead. Like yeah, no, it's, it's it's totally fine. It's and, Queens, you know, man. And if anything, you know, if you're upset about that, if you look at the Raimi trilogy, we got a pretty great MJ with um can't think of her name Kirsten right now. Dunst. Yeah, Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Yeah. I thought she was a great MJ. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to do something, I don't want to have just have them do the same thing again. Of course. Do something different. Absolutely. And if, you know, if that is, you know, not only just changing the color of her skin or her hair, like changing, you know, her attitude where now she's like, you know, she is this deadpan, awkward person. But like, I loved her one line where she's like, uh, where he's like trying to drop out of the mathletes or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, oh, he already, he already dropped out of band in this other class. And we just kind of mm-hmm. like, what? She's oh, like, yeah. I'm not stalking him. I'm I'm just observant. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, I like that. Yeah. Like, she's she's like she's she's woke Mary Jane Watson or Michelle right. whatever you know. And I I thought that was great. Like, what was the part in DC where they show up? She's like, I'm gonna go protest. Like, she was just yeah, had these yeah. one lines that were so out of out of context of what everybody else uh-huh. is doing, but they just can't help. Yeah. Then Martin Star- and like in DC, Martin Star is like, you're gonna go up the uh, the, the monument, and she's like. I don't want to build anything built by slaves. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't built by slaves. He looks at a black security guard and he's like, eh. yeah. He's and like, then he's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And Martin, Martin Star was hilarious. In yes, the movie. I absolutely. Think, like his, his line, like after the DC trip where he was like, uh, uh, yeah, I was just, I was really glad. Uh, I didn't know students died. I couldn't go through that again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you're like, oh gosh. Yes. And I, and I love like They didn't really make a name or like anything about his past. So in mm-hmm. my head canon, he is the same character from Incredible Hulk. 
So yeah. it all works. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. And then um, while we're on the subject of teachers, though, Hannibal Burris. Oh, yeah. Uh, as the gym teacher and detention coach or detention, yeah. you know, monitor. Hilarious. Uh, they're showing the Captain America fitness challenge videos. Uh-huh. And he's like, uh, as the video is playing, he's like, I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal now. But I shouldn't be showing this, but oh, well. <laughs> yeah, we're moving on. And then there's the uh, where Peter just ditches out of detention. And he's just like, wait, no, come back, stop. Yeah. And then there, I think um, Michelle has a yeah, she's a line. A one there he's like, why? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's like, why are you here? He's like, I like uh, drawing people in crisis. Right, yeah. And uh, the other, the other uh, MCU head can I, I like a lot is the principal. This isn't really like you know mentioned in the movie, but when Peter's like almost getting kicked out of school for, uh, I think it was right after the DC thing, yeah. and he like because he left the group or whatever. Uh, Right after that, he's showing the principal's office, and it's Kenneth Choi, uh, and he is also a cast member in Captain America: The First Avenger. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the corner of his office, there is a plaque of a sol- there's a picture of him, like base of, Ke- of Ken- Kenneth Choi in the army outfit with you know decorated you know pins and everything that you get from being in the army, and it's his his name in the movie is officially Principal Marita, mm-hmm. and his name in Captain America is uh, Jim Marita. So basically they make the connection that he's like his grandson or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's super, that's, that is a great, you know, just a perfect little touch that, you know, Marvel studios is great at doing those. For sure. Things. Absolutely. But, uh, what else is there? Um, uh, I think going back to the action just briefly. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of that for me just came from the fact that I'd seen all of it in the trailers. Yeah, they actually did end up giving you every set piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. Like in the preview, I was like, oh, I, I, I would guarantee there's still one other thing that we haven't seen yet, and there wasn't. Nope. So, I mean, there's there were many moments of, like, action or, you know, stuff that, you know, we hadn't seen. Like, you know, when he lifted up the whole, like, building that t- collapsed on him. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, gave me chills, and Tom Holland, like, really put on his acting display there. But, I mean, there wasn't anything that was like, Wow, that action sequence really blew me away because yeah. I felt like I'd seen all the key moments before. Yeah, the fairy could have been a bigger deal, but they did end up giving that away. And if there is a scene that may be memorable, it's him, you know, right. trying to keep it the the two halves from breaking down. Yeah, which I wonder about the physics of that whole boat that it that coming it, apart that it at it the felt, seams, it, yet still staying somewhat intact and afloat. I feel like it would have capsized before that but right that's neither here nor there there's there's flying robots right yeah spider exactly. people uh other so just some other mcu connections i want to get to and touch on uh, i thought it was cool that they use spider-man homecoming to let or to basically like make the announcement that stark is out of avengers tower they've they've moved on from that and they, they're now fully in the avengers facility in upstate new york and i had a really cool um this fan i talked to a lot on twitter uh ari fantas he like he suggested to me he's like what if because like they mentioned that tony stark sold the tower mm-hmm. he's like what if he sold it to norman osborne ah. i was like that i love that idea i think that would be a great way to introduce norman you don't even have to really you don't even have to bring him into the second movie yet but you could replace that a with a big old o and everybody's like oh it's oscorp it's yeah. oscorp and that'd, that'd be a great way to not only bring oscorp in but also you know further push apart new york a little bit and so mm-hmm. not everybody's in like a 12 block radius or whatever right yeah that's actually a really cool idea i love that and uh then, yeah other thing uh uh donald glover's character yeah absolutely 
plays Aaron Davis, mm-hmm. who is the uncle to Miles Morales. Right. And he mentions, like, you know, just help keep the streets clean, Spider-Man. You know, I've, I've got a nephew. And yeah. you're like, so Miles exists mm-hmm. in this universe. Yeah, in mentioned and in words, official canon. Yes, there solidified. is. Miles Morales is in the MCU. He's probably like two or three years old, I would assume. I don't think they're going to, you know, he's like a teenager, but... Uh, I like that they're already just making that a possibility to explore in the future because since they don't mention his age, they could introduce him in the sequel as a 12-year-old mm-hmm. or they could wait till Spider-Man 5 if it goes that far and introduce him as a 13-year-old. Like, yeah. There are all these different possibilities they could do now and I love that they just plant those little seeds that for a lot of people they won't notice or care about, but then you know, in the long game, as long as the stuff continues on forever, basically... Uh, It'll pay off big time. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, you could, uh, that's something like, as much as I dug Donald Clover being there, it was, it was inconsequential other than him being like, go check out the ferry, man. But, right. Yeah. I, just, I mean, if he was, he's probably working on Atlanta. Uh, oh, but and that Han Solo if, movie. You know? I would have, <laughs> I would have traded, you know, Atlanta season two for his cameo in Spider-Man. Easily. Well, I, I think that's the other thing because he is Aaron Davis and he's the prowler, you know, even if they don't do Miles, he could be one of those guys that you know is brought in for the sequel to be mm-hmm. a low-level criminal because you know maybe Spider-Man's not doing a good enough job cleaning up the streets or following Avengers three and four. There's a lot of uh, alien tech on the market available that he can go steal, and uh, just the power games up and oh, available. Sure. And I I think there's the there's a very good chance that he's returns for another movie and has a more prominent role yeah. than just being you know kind of acting like he's stoned and just like. I'll buy this weapon and uh, you're not intimidating and I have a nephew. Like, yeah. I think there's definitely a chance he gets a lot more I, to do. I hope there's some mega payoff for him. That's for sure. But uh, other just other smaller stuff, Pepper's in the movie. Yeah. Really oh, quickly. There, that the, that reunion um, with her happy, aunt, Gwyneth Paltrow happy, or Pepper happy, Tony, yes. was one of the more charming moments of everything. Just the, the back and forth, the humor, the, the, the engagement idea near the end mm-hmm. after showing off the ultimate Spider-Man suit. I think that's right. what that was, right? I mean, it kind of looked like uh, his Iron Spider suit a little bit okay, with like the yellow is. hints. But yeah. as far as I've seen, it doesn't really, it's not a direct match of anything that I'm at least familiar with. I mean, it, there's probably a lot of different inspirations for it. Very but cool, though. It was very cool. It actually looked like what he's wearing in the uh playstation places yeah that's yeah. true he has the same spider design mm-hmm. right uh do you think that's gonna be his suit in infinity war oh yeah absolutely yeah. there's no way you don't see that i mean that's that's the thing we don't see we're not gonna see peter parker until infinity war right and that's Next what that's year. there for <laughs> right exactly yeah so yeah I, I like that they already like kind of teased the suit but i also loved the whole interaction of you know revealing the suit tony saying you know you're ready to be an Avenger. We're going to make an Avenger. I've got a whole room of press people. Mm-hmm. And he, Peter's just kind of thinking, he's like, nah, I'm going to, I want to stay on the streets. And he's like, he's like, good for you, kid. He's walking away. And Peter's like, that was a test, wasn't it? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, you passed. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, you passed. Good job, kid. Go back to New York. And then that's immediately when Pepper comes out. And you mm-hmm. see the room full of reporters. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, no, he was, he was serious. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's interesting about that is, and why I'm glad that he didn't choose to do that is because if he would have signed up to be an Avenger, he has to sign the Sokovia Accords. Mm-hmm. He has to reveal his secret identity. Right. <laughs> and then he's no longer Peter Parker and Spider-Man in secret. He's now just 
Peter Parker is Spider Man, it's oh, no yeah. knowledge, and uh, that would have, that would have really hurt the sequel. I think it would have, sh- oh, it would have no, it would have shredded the character entirely. I mean, because when Peter Parker does you know out himself in comics, he, yeah, he, 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 things go bad, and it usually really doesn't fast. take very long for comic writers to figure out some way to be like, okay, this isn't working. Yeah. Uh, it was an LMD. It was uh, <laughs> something else. <laughs> Uh, you know, he was a scroll. Yeah, just like, it was like switch it so so nobody knows. It was scrapped really fast. Yeah, and uh, I think that's why it's interesting that the movie ends with Aunt May apparently seeing. You know, he, I mean, she definitely sees him in the Spider-Man costume, mm-hmm. it just in his room, just standing there, and she goes, "What the?" And it cuts. Yeah, I thought it would have been really interesting use of the only f bomb in the MCU if uh, if they would have used that there. Would have been interesting, but they don't. What do you think this means moving forward? I, I think it's just a shock ending. I, I think Peter explains it away somehow. It's just a costume. Spider-Man's all the rage. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you bring Aunt May in on it yeah. that fast. Unless you do, and then the house becomes you know Spider-Man HQ, which would be really weird. Yeah, but, no, I, don't, I don't see that happening. You know. I just yeah I th- I think uh, I don't know how they're gonna do it because I know Feige's a big fan of a comic run where May does find out mm-hmm. and then it's all about you know that relationship and how it hurts and there's the conversation earlier in the movie where right after the ferry incident when he when Peter loses the suit and everything he comes back home crying and she's like. Peter, what's wrong with you? I know you sneak out all the time. I know you, you know, you were missing from the DC trip. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're slacking your responsibilities and stuff. What is, what is happening with you? And to then, for me, if she sees him in the Spider-Man suit, the hero who was always out of the house and saving people, if she sees that and is like, oh no, it's just like a Halloween costume or something, really good one. Yeah. I don't see how that would work for me. I feel like they have to now mm-hmm. go in and say, May knows and that's again something we haven't seen on the big screen at least is like where may definitively knows they definitely hint in the raimi trilogy that yeah she's aware and she knows but i mean to have the just just have it just be out there and have them discuss it i think would be a really interesting part of the second movie and help you know ground it even more following infinity war and avengers 4 if a big part of that conflict is <laughs> him saying like, of her saying, no, you can't, you can't leave. Right. Like, I'm not letting you go to space. I'm yeah. not letting you go fight, you know, the scorpion or whoever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just not letting that happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're, we're going to find out in Infinity War because there's no way his dialogue is going to be, oh, I'm just here to help type of a deal. There's going to be some kind right. of plug where he's either run away from home or from a fight with Aunt May or there's going to be something like that there. And maybe that's why... Spider-Man's taking place in the future so far as though it can line up with Infinity War. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, other just really small things. They meant or happy mentions as they're leaving Avengers Tower that uh, there's a new cap shield. Oh, yeah, the prototype. I like that. Ooh. I don't know what... I'm guessing they'll keep the circle design, the famous one, but maybe they'll change it up a little bit. Uh, go back to his you know World War I uh, style or maybe they'll give him, uh, you know... A different magnetic suit or you know one that like one that like if you watch agents of shield colson has like a, holog- a yeah. hologram one like yeah. give him like just a new special one i think and it just shows that even though they're like basically tony stark and cap are like on a break mm-hmm. in their relationship he's still like i know i'm gonna need him again and yeah. 
I'm going to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see a Quinjet leave Avengers facility at the end of the movie really oh. quickly. Yeah. No idea who's in there, but I, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. I See, I wasn't sure what that was about. I thought that was just kind of like, oh, hey, check it out. It's a plane taking off and yeah. flying. And Happy's like, you don't see that every day, huh? Yeah. And then he's just like, okay. And then yeah, they just keep walking away. They look like a new design. And the fact that it does take place potentially very close to Infinity War you never know. Mm-hmm. I hope if it is something uh, interesting and important that they do mention it uh, later on. But uh, other than the post-credit scenes, do you have any other spoiler thoughts you want to get to? Uh, I no. I mean, I just have one other thing before we t- we talk post-credit scenes. Though is I hope it's a hope for the sequel. Yes, and it's 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 wishing that even though it's in the aftermath of Infinity War. I really do hope it can stand on its own without major references to other films. Okay. That is that is my one hope because Civil War was definitely dependent on his origin story. Uh, Avengers for um, Keaton's, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, come up. And then, uh, of course, I think Iron Man 3, I would argue, and all of that. So yeah. that, is, that is the one hope I do have, but... Are we talking, we want I mean, to talk? I, I think just on that point, yeah. I think it, it will largely be its own movie, but it's impossible to have it happen and not reference the events of Avengers 4 or uh, anything else. Because, I mean, uh, I think it was Kevin Feige said that Spider Man 2 will take place four minutes after Avengers in, uh, 4 ends. Mm-hmm. So. That's about as, you know, that's like Rogue One to a New Hope level of connectivity. Yeah. So, I don't know how you get away with it otherwise, but I don't think it's going to, like, I think it, it'll it really just set the mood, basically, for the movie, where we'll see, you know, Spider-Man just have this just terrible event happen to him, even though they'll, they'll be victorious, obviously, but... You know, he's going to see casualties of war. He's going to go through and battle some stuff that he probably never even dreamed he would he would do. And I think that's just going to shape his mindset in the sequel. And then, you know, but at the end of the day, they're still going to, I think, keep it grounded and make sure it's not. All right. Well, now that he's been exposed to this other world, let's have him fight Galactus or something. Yeah, like They're not going to do for that. Sure. It's just it's just like how much can you depend on? a movie that you're guessing maybe 50 or 60% of your audience mm-hmm. saw for character development right. going forward. And that's what I'm wondering. Like, are we going to have to see infinity war to understand Spider-Man's mindset in this movie? Uh, sort of like what Iron Man three was yeah. to Avengers. And that, that's just something that I've been thinking about. And I, uh, I don't want to call it cheap storytelling, but it, it, you don't get a full, a full character arc when you do things like that. And that's just my worry. Oh, okay. But I mean, I, in my opinion, I think you, you could get a better character arc because there's even more backstory and history with the characters yes. and stuff. And uh, I know this analogy has been made a lot, maybe not on this podcast, but on other outlets and everything that the MCU is not a f- movie franchise anymore. That's, no. how, that's not how it should be treated. It nope. should more be treated as a television series mm-hmm. where at the end of Avengers, Avengers four is going to be the season finale and I think Spider-Man 2 is going to be season 2, episode 1. Yeah. And it's going to yeah. deal with everything that happened before, but it's going to set it off in a completely different you know, yeah. direction and tone and everything. It is a completely... It's the first officially uh, serialized 
movie franchise. Yeah. And not just episodic. It's legitimately a, like you said, yeah, it's a tele- it's a, it's a high-end drama television series. Yeah. So uh, just very quickly, the uh, mid credit scene, we see Vulture in prison, and then we see Michael Mando, who plays uh, Mac Gargan, a.k.a. Scorpion, approach him and ask him for Spider-Man's identity so he can kill him. Would you want to see Scorpion be the big bad in the second movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been touched yet. Yeah. And I think I think a Scorpion character in like the MCU world, like watch watching what they did to Vulture and mm-hmm. make him menacing and epic makes me wonder what they could do with Scorpion. Yeah. And um, Michael Mando's great actor. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. Definitely love to see that. The other thing, uh, the post credit scene, what'd you think? It's <laughs> good. It's it just was, another it was, cap promo where he's basically like, don't you hate it when you know you, we wait so long and something so disappointing? <laughs> yes, it was like you know it, the the running joke in the movie is Captain America recorded like a billion public service announcements, oh, yeah. whether it was in the forties or you know when I think he, it's present day. Yeah, yeah, when he got unthought because yeah. he makes that joke. Uh, he's like, take it from me or something. Oh, what's the joke about him being thawed or frozen or staying oh, cool? Oh, I can't remember. Oh yeah. It's, it's about the detention one, but yeah, I thought, I thought that was hilarious. And then after the end of that, he's like, how many more of these do we need yeah. to do? <laughs> Apparently they recorded a ton of them that yeah. are all going to be on like the DVD or come out in like, you know, just online and stuff. So perfect. Definitely looking forward to seeing those. It was great to see Chris Evans, you know, mm-hmm. flex some comedic chops in the the cap role. <laughs> yes. So uh, that's all our thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming. We'll be back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news. And we got a couple of teases courtesy of Sylvester Stallone for Creed 2. Where on Instagram this week, he hinted that maybe it's time for him to step behind the camera and direct Creed 2, but also that maybe it's time for uh, Drago, the Russian the Russian boxer, to return. Ooh. Well, this is this is kind of cool. I mean, yeah. and obviously it speaks to Sylvester Stallone's impatience with the right. sequel, yeah. you know, probably getting nowhere right now. Yeah, definitely um, not. I mean, obviously you've got Coogler tied up with uh, Black Panther mm-hmm. um, editing right now, I guess. Yeah, and him and... Uh, Michael B. Jordan are doing another movie after that mm-hmm. based on uh, like the school teacher scandal and stuff. So who knows what, what's happening? Yeah. Creed II. I mean, 2020 seems like a generous place to put um, a Creed sequel. So, yeah. you know, if Stallone wants to see it done and good for him. I mean, I love seeing enthusiasm about the project because he, him and B. Jordan in that movie are phenomenal together yeah. arguably it's them two and then the boxing is just mm-hmm. you know peripheral i think it's a great idea yeah uh, i mean sylvester stone you know he directed rocky 2 rocky 3 rocky 4 rocky balboa plus you know like rambo the expendables so i mean he's proven himself as a director that he can do it i uh, i still want to see ryan coogler's creed 2 more than anything but at the same time it feels like I'm going to have to wait a really long time to see that movie. Mm-hmm. So if it has to happen, uh, I'll be I'll be okay with it. Yeah, I just don't see it going forward, though, without Coogler penning the script or, yeah, you know, having, sure. having a hand in that part. Yes. As long as Coogler's at least in the development process and, you know, saying, yeah. all right, this is where I envisioned the story going. And maybe he already pitched all this to Sly because he had to get Stallone's approval to even do the first Creed. Yeah. So uh, maybe he – maybe. You know, Stallone already knows 
this is where Kugler wanted to go, and Kugler's given him, you know, his blessing in a sense where, you know, yeah, I don't have the time to do it all, st- all EP it and stuff, but mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I don't have the time to direct it myself, yeah. and because uh, initially, like after the first creed came out, I think we covered like early on in the podcast that uh, the studio wanted a November 2017 release date for the sequel, mm-hmm. and you know that's yeah. a couple months away from exactly. when we're recording, and there has been no news on Creed Two right. other than like. Yeah, we want it to happen, but nothing about it. it's definitely happening. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, if Dolph, if Dolph Lundgren returns as Drago, or mm-hmm. are they going to do Drago's son versus Apollo Creed's son and do this huge other revenge match? I have no idea, but yeah, uh, it could be interesting. Oh, absolutely. So the other uh, rumor we got this week from that hashtag show was regarding Green Lantern Corps, and it possibly having rupert wyatt attached to direct the movie that's according to them that you know their sources have told them that he's attached since then other outlets and reporters have suggested that that may not be the case while others have said yeah i've heard similar things before but i haven't been able to confirm it yet so it's definitely not officially happening and i don't think it's definitely not not happening so if they announced, you know, at Comic-Con in a couple weeks, Rupert Wyatt's our Green Lantern director. It's coming in 2020. Do you be on board? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I can't think of any alternatives to him directing because he's handled uh, a big budget movie before. Plenty of CGI. He did Rise of the Apes, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He did the first one. Um, and then he's got, he's had a character movie with uh, Wahlberg, the gambler. Yep. Yeah. Him and Brie mm-hmm. Larson in that. And it's, it's a dull movie, but you know, yeah, focused. It it's it's not worth your time. <laughs> I think it's but, on a Prime. I think it's on my list there yes. to watch. Maybe one day. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I think a bigger thing coming out of this was that. I mean, it's definitely looking like the movie. I think the hashtag show also talked about the two casting calls for yeah the, the uh, basically just the age ranges. I think like it was. I want to say like mid to late thirties to like late forties mm-hmm. for Hal Jordan. And then like 21 to 30 for John Stewart. Yeah. So they're definitely making John the young guy mm-hmm. and the one that's going to be like the long-term head of the green lantern. Absolutely. I thought that was the bigger deal right. out of all of this. Um, and I finally caught moonlight <laughs> like after so long and you can't help but say i think that trevante rose oh yeah has to have that role yes absolutely completely agree he mm-hmm. is he he would be a perfect choice and i think he is you know he's going to come off a of predator early next year if they haven't already cast you know a young john stewart i don't really i can't really think of anybody right now who would be a better fit to and that like even like he has the he has the talent to do so mm-hmm. uh he just seems like a great fit to do that on the big screen. Like, the other one I could think of is uh, Corey Hawkins from Straight Outta Compton. Oh yeah, I think he'd do be a really good uh, John Stewart. But yeah, I mean, just yeah, Trevante Rhodes in that green suit, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Be all about it. Uh, other thing we got this week was from Omega Underground, where they pointed out that Olivia Munn has arrived in Montreal, Canada, which uh, just so happens to be where X Men: Dark Phoenix is just about to start filming. So. They have uh, suggested that this means that Psylocke will be back for Dark Phoenix. Do you care? Uh, yes, I do. But ultimately, it's just kind of like whatever. Right. Because first of all, I was pretty stoked Olivia Mum was going to be, uh, you know, just tearing things up mm-hmm. in Apocalypse. Yes. But then she destroys two cars and disappears. 
you know, in a very kind of like, oh, look, she's walking away right. from the battle. She escaped type of way. Um, so I'll, I'll be definitely on board with her coming back and at least and getting an expanded role or, you know, um, at least being featured more because I think she's a great actress and Psylocke looks like an epic character, but ultimately did nothing. So I want to see more of that. Uh, come X Men Dark Phoenix or whatever the yeah. official Next title year. Yep. being. Yeah, I mean, I love Olivia Munn back from like her G four days on you know, oh, Attack yeah. the Show and stuff. Like, she's great. I've always loved her, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't really care for her as Psylocke, not because she did like a bad job, but I just felt like her character was almost unnecessary, and I didn't really get why she was even in there in the first place. So then when it ended that way where she just kind of walked off in the sunset and mm-hmm. really looked like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm a little mad for whatever reason. Now for her to be back, I don't, I don't know. I don't really get it. So, I mean, if she's better than she was in apocalypse, then I'll, then I'll be happy. But yeah. I mean, for now, yeah, it's nothing that you know, makes me any more excited for dark Phoenix. That's for sure. Here's to hoping that Kimberg has something, you know, better written for. Yes. Hopefully. Whatever that was. <laughs> but we also got word on a new casting edition for Ant-Man and the Wasp, a courtesy of Tracking Board, where they revealed fresh off the boat star Randall Park has joined the cast as S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jimmy Woo. Hey. It's fake Jim. Yeah, fake Jim or my favorite, one of my favorite Veep characters, uh, Governor Chung. He'll always be fake Jim in my mind because that is one of my favorite openings to the office yeah, that's, ever. It is, a, it is a glorious cold open. <laughs> and it's it's so well done. It's just that the, the photo sells oh, it. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you're funny and you're laughing at it the entire way. And then he's like, hats off for you for not seeing race, buddy. And then Dwight picks the frame <laughs> up and he's just like, oh, great. Yeah, no, it is. It is, it is so good. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I haven't seen a lot of his other work. Um, like I haven't seen Fresh Off the Boat, oh, but funny. I mean, Randall Park's hilarious. So the fact that yeah. he is joining this big franchise, I think is very good. Uh, very good. Plus the fact that he's playing a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me as, you know, a huge MCU canon person because the shield hasn't really been even mentioned in the movies since, you know, age of Ultron and that they didn't really mention that it was still shield. They're like, Oh yeah, we found our helicarrier. Yeah. Other than that shield's been gone since like 2014. So the fact that he, it's now coming back in a, you know, post infinity war world, or at least Mm -hmm. at the coming, coming back at the same time, right after, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5 is going to wrap, and the whole series will probably be done at that point. Like, I think that's super interesting timing and everything. And there's people suggest, oh, maybe he's not a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. That's just who he is in the comics. And maybe this report is a little... they just like, okay, who's Jimmy Woo? Google yeah. search. Oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Cool. And they just included that. But if he is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, I think that's awesome because that means more S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. more everything yeah. in the MCU. and. That, that's cool. I mean, there's got to be an explanation for what Nick Fury's been up to. Yeah. These last few years, I guess. I mean, I do love the implication that the helicarrier was found in like some abandoned parking lot right. at the age of Ultron. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously the dude's been up to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe re-recruiting agents for S.H.I.E.L.D. is part of that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. My other thing, just rain on thought about you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, because I've been thinking recently, because uh, I, w- I really want to um, 
Kumail uh, Nanjani yeah, yeah. Uh, to be in the MCU for whatever reason. Oh, I would love that. And I was like, he'd be a perfect member of the entourage, like the group of T.I., Michael Pena, and uh, David S. Malchin. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Throw him in there as like sure. some other specialist guy. <laughs> That'd be cool. I've already yes. tweeted to Peyton Reed about it. He hasn't responded, so we'll have to wait and see. Oh, I can't wait for Big Sick. Speaking of him. Right. Yeah, anyway. I mean, okay. Hopefully, I thought hopefully we get that in a couple weeks. Next week. Do we for sure? Yes. So Perfect. dividing time between that and... War for the Planet of the Apes yes. will be tough, but it will make it happen. Um, but the other thing also related to S.H.I.E.L.D. is Deadline confirmed a report from Omega Underground from a couple weeks ago that Samuel L. Jackson will be part of the cast for Captain Marvel. Oh, maybe this is what he's been up to. Maybe. So Nick Fury's going to talk to Carol Danvers about the Avengers Initiative, I think. Yes. Or be involved with the creation of captain marvel what is i still don't even know who captain marvel is after like a year of talking about <laughs> it um struck by alien lightning or something like that right she she's like in a she is close to a battle with the kree uh with this other you know this, it's, alien it's complicated force. yeah got it and she gets knocked into a kree machine mm-hmm. gets into a coma the machine basically gives her powers and then when she awakens she has all these newfound powers from um, and she also helps get those because the original Kree, Captain Marvel, Marvel, uh, like helps heal her and rescue her and stuff. And she uh-huh. gets yeah powers from him and stuff. So who knows if they're going to do that as yeah. her origin or not, or if they'll try to simplify it a little bit. But if she is in the coma, like I would love to see Infinity War, her get, you know, Carol Danvers is there. Mm-hmm. Something similar happens where she's, you know, knocked... She gets hit by some alien into some machine, and then she goes into a coma, and then Captain Marvel opens with her waking up and finding her powers. I think that'd be really cool. But, yeah, I love the fact that Nick Fury is going to be there. He was there for Iron Man and his as his mentor in Iron mm-hmm. Man 2. I don't want to see a lot of him because I want it to be Carol Danvers' movie, but, yeah. I mean, more Sam Jackson's always good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a military guy, and you have a military woman. So, yeah. you know, uh, I think... I've never seen Sam Jack Sam Jackson opposite Brie Larson in anything. Yet. Yeah, he did. Kong Skull Island. Well, uh, uh, opposite though. I mean, they get split <laughs> up, and then Sam gets stepped on, and that's a whole thing. But yeah. you know, actually watching them interact and go back and yes. forth, I think that could be a lot of fun for sure. Definitely. Uh, other thing we got this week: little update about the Last Jedi and a possible new trailer. That we won't be getting in the next couple of weeks, unfortunately. Uh, Steven Weintraub of Collider said on Twitter that he's heard that there will not be a new trailer for The Last Jedi at D23 next week or San Diego Comic-Con the week after that, but that at D23 there could be some behind-the-scenes footage released. So that's cool, Yeah, I guess. Nothing you know, mind-blowing or something I'm going to get super pumped about, but... When do you, I mean, does this surprise you that we're not getting a trailer now? When do you think we will get it? Doesn't surprise me. I mean, they flaunted behind the scenes, special effects, and, you know, uh, things like that at, at Comic Con or D23. Um, they did, they for, did, uh, yeah, behind the scenes stuff for Rogue One and The Last Jedi at both of the previous D23, or not Last or Jedi, Force Awakens. Force Awakens yes. At D23 last two years. Yeah, so this is par for the course. I think they did end up showing off the Han Solo trailer. Um, 
the Chewie Were Home trailer. Oh, uh, I, thought, <laughs> I think you know, like the Han Solo movie. At Comic-Con or Star Wars Celebration. I don't remember. It's it was at Star Wars Celebration? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're sort of par for the course right now. Yeah. Um, I think the behind the scenes will show enough things happening. Like what? Scene setups, looks at characters, a a um, the beginning of a role of a scene that looks like it's very epic and dangerous or so, uh, you know a, a big deal happening that that'll suffice as a what's going on there mm-hmm. type of a deal because I did that all over the force awakens <laughs> you know right. uh behind the scenes reel and then come probably the end of July August we'll have our our second trailer and then come NFL, ABC, Monday Night Football, ESPN, something like that, the third and final like they did for yeah, The Force like, Awakens. Well, it was like November, I think, is when the final came yep. for Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm basically there with you. Uh, as far as the behind-the-scenes feature that goes, do you think it'll show, like, anything new? Like, you know, will it – I mean, not just like, oh, I haven't seen this angle of this shot before, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, will we see new locations? Will we see new characters? Or will we see just, like – all right, here's Benicio Del Toro on that same location that he's in in that Vanity Fair photo. Now he's just not laying down. Or here's Ray not on Octo and, you know, not – that's the only place we've seen her in the trailer so far. Like, yeah. the, here's Luke not on Octo. Here's, you know, General Leia outside of, you know, their their ships and the Rebel base and everything. Like, do you think we'll get any – like a shot of Snoke and his lair – I don't, I don't know. That's a good question, but I do think we will certainly see Adam Driver and Kylo Ren uh, in some kind of Snoke Castle or Fortress, like a beginning reel of him standing there looking menacing. Both and of them? Pro- probably, perhaps, but Snoke is CG, so I wouldn't expect it. Did you say Andy Serkis? No, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. Okay. I thought, yes, I thought you heard. I thought I heard Oscar Isaac and Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wait, is that what you're saying?" No, it's not what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, so I, was I was like, like "Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah, no, we'll probably see something like that. Um, the the casino wealthy planet. I want to say Monto Bite or Monto Blight, whatever that really fancy upscale senatorial party is that mm-hmm. looks like a big piece with a lot of extras and effects yeah. or not effects but costumes and things like that for i am uh, lb to show off mm-hmm. you know it'll be things like that but nothing spectacularly you know decisive about the movie yeah i mean i think the thing that's just surprising the most is that now i don't really think they're gonna really announce anything with a d23 i mean the behind the scenes feature will be cool but Unless they're going to announce, you know, an Obi-Wan standalone movie, which I would be shocked by given their current troubles with their standalone anthology yeah. movies and their past ones as well. And because of those troubles, I don't think we're going to get really anything about Han Solo, even though Ron Howard just started editing the movie mm-hmm. today. So maybe they're cutting together a quick teaser. I just feel like it's going to be a quiet couple of weeks for Star Wars when they could you know, land a big splash and try to reinvigorate spirits because I know some people have been down on Star Wars since the whole Phil or Chris Miller thing. Yeah, it's... It, I, I don't know what to make of it. I think I think an Obi-Wan announcement is possible or really? another anthology movie because it's been waiting for a while and now that we're two films down, it's officially time to announce 
what the other one's going mm-hmm. to be. So the hype train for that can start. Um, because I ultimately, even with all the troubles, I mean, they now know what to do and what not to do. Yeah. And they'll pick a director that, you know, follows their rules, you know, explicitly next time around or whatever the case is. The The problems with Edwards, Lord and Miller are, have been, you know, noted and, I don't think it would cause them to hold off on an announcement. Do you think they're waiting for a director before announcing the next anthology movie? Mm, probably. Yeah. I would say so. And, you know, they may have already grabbed one, and that's what we're waiting for. Because if you don't have anything immense to tell people, mm-hmm. giving a director and a movie title or a movie subject, that's that's a bombshell, and it costs you nothing, really. Right, but I mean, I think if they if they walked you and McGregor out on the stage at D twenty three next week and was like, "Obi Wan movie mm-hmm. starring this guy, twenty twenty, yeah. get ready," people would be hyped regardless of whether oh, or not yeah. a director was attached. Bombshell, absolutely. So, who knows? But, uh, you know, you got to have a at least somebody with the vision, you know, going yeah. forward. So I would say that's what they're waiting on. Yeah, I mean, fair point. Uh, that's all for the news. We're gonna move on to the big question of the week this week. Talking about uh, Justice League because yes. because you know uh, St- uh, San Diego Comic Con is coming in two weeks. There's a lot of anticipation that WB will drop the new Justice League trailer at Comic Con, release it online as well. And because of that, we wanted to discuss: Should Superman be featured in the Justice League marketing? And that is the question. I mean, there. We had in the run up to Batman versus Superman, we dinged them so hard for shoddy trailers, like just unexciting ones, or obviously the most panned or the one, Doomsday one. Yeah, yeah, the the official Doomsday one, where it's two minutes and thirty seconds of basically nothing, and then like, oh, spoil the, the right four, <laughs> fourth act, I guess, <laughs> right, yeah. which is what I call a Snyder movie. So, <laughs> you know, uh, what? Do you think? I mean, obviously, you have to take into account Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. It's ending, and is Superman even showing Superman a massive spoiler? Right. I mean, is the hint at the end of Batman versus Superman all you need to know? Can you go from there? I think that's the thing that's interesting because because of that ending, you could really just not show Superman. Mm-hmm. That's what I would like to see. I know leading up to Civil War. I was like, don't show Spider-Man. I don't want to see him because it's, it's just going to be this grand moment when he appears. And it was still a great moment in the trailers and it was still a great moment in the movie. But if I had not seen the Spider-Man costume beforehand and Tom Holland still does the flip intro, I mean, that would have been awesome. Yeah. That's why, you know, I was, I love that they didn't show Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think, personally, I think Superman's going to have a similarly small role where he won't show up until the third act. And if that's the case, then I don't want to, I don't want to see that because it means I'm getting third act footage, which I would like not to see because who knows what else I could see in the background or whatever, or what it could hint towards. But I also just don't want to see, you know, if they are going to do the black Superman suit with the beard and everything, I don't want to see that beforehand. You can maybe I've, I've talked, I think I pitched my tease where like it ends like one of the trailers would end with, you know, you see Superman's feet in the Justice League on the horizon, and then you just see his cape swoop over and cover the screen. Yeah. That's how the trailer ends. I'd be okay with that, but I don't want to see, I don't want to see him 
in his full costume or anything. If they show me a glimpse or like a close up of his eyes or something, I'd be okay. I want. I still. I would love it if they didn't do it because it would show restraint on their part and make his return that much more exciting. Um, but I mean, I just think since they're keeping him off of like even their posters and everything, to then throw him into the trailer either means you're now going to shift your marketing to show Superman as well on the posters and everything, or you keep him off entirely. And that way for normal people who maybe don't, who maybe didn't even see Batman v Superman or didn't notice that the dirt rose yeah. at the very end, that they'd be like, whoa. And mm-hmm. it would just be a huge shock to them. And I think that's the kind of sh- awe and surprise that could just really boost Justice League regardless of, if it's if it before then it's a terrible movie or leading up to then it's a great movie, that moment could make it just that much more better. Yeah. Do you do you also think though part of it could be people have had enough of Superman? Yeah. <laughs> and showing him actually could be detrimental to the movie's success. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the response to Man of Steel was mixed mm-hmm. and people's thoughts on Henry Cavill in BVS were not as positive as they were as Ben Affleck's or Gal Gadot's like, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point that maybe WB's is like, you know, Superman 20 years ago would have been a huge selling point, but this current version's not yet. Yeah. So let's keep on the back burner. We'll, th- we'll show a lot of Wonder Woman in the trailers because of her success. We'll show a lot of Ben Affleck. And then we'll give you doses of Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg because it seems like they're going to be the core five. And then in the movie, people can find out, oh, there's a sixth and maybe a seventh if Green Lantern's in there somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, keep keep those surprises under wraps and everything. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, like, Gal- I wonder how much of Wonder Woman's success is, is either affected or changed maybe marketing strategy. I mean, already that she was kind of front and center, but she was definitely uh, prominent in that first Justice League trailer. Uh, the first two, yeah, really. I always forget about that first one. I think it's technically a teaser, but yeah, it is. whatever. But, you know, she had a hugely successful movie um, that was critically acclaimed and is now, you know, can definitely be a major selling point. So I wonder if, if they felt buzz wasn't you know where it needed to be and they needed something to shake up you know the the internet conversation or whatever the case may be that's what superman's for i I, I don't know how adaptable marketing strategies are anymore or Mm -hmm. if they are at all and um yeah like i like i like a lot what you're saying about how keeping keeping him off to the side um and letting the, the new characters, you know, show up and, you know, let us see people we haven't seen before in the movie and trailers and posters and whatever mm-hmm. that case is, you know, really helps build them out instead of just saying, oh, here's a bunch of B characters to, you know, punch other people while Superman does, you know, the heavy lifting or whatever the case is. And depending on, you know, when we get our first look at, um, not dark side, but Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, yeah. You know, watching them battle him is more fun than you know in a trailer mm-hmm. is more fun than Superman showing up because you kind of know how that's gonna go. Right. One, two, and he's down. You know, and it's it's almost like a spoiler to the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the whole entire plot, if Superman shows up, because 
he's Superman. You know, you, you've seen this before right. in a lot of ways. So uh, it's it's really interesting because if if this was a, a Snyder trailer, if you will, or a traditional Batman versus Superman trailer, we'd see him. We'd see him in the same way we saw Doomsday, you know? You've been waiting, you've been waiting. Mm-hmm. All right, the movie's almost here. All right, here's this big surprise, you know? And maybe things follow closer to like the David Ayer trailer side where it was, all right, well, we'll keep a lot of it back or maybe deceptively edit what we've got going on Mm -hmm. and show it up or maybe just follow what Patty Jenkins and team did and, you know, keep it all under wraps until uh, the movie starts. And then that's when we'll get our hints and teases and, you know, the movie can set itself up and then give off a surprise. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about Wonder Woman and how big of a role she's going to have in the marketing because I do think that they, you know, whether it's mismarketing or not, I think they should make it look like Wonder Woman is the main character of this movie mm-hmm. uh, because as good as the reaction was to Ben Affleck in BVS, the response to BVS was still bad. The response to Wonder Woman was incredible. And so to then put her in the spotlight and say, hey, come see Wonder Woman's next movie. And Andy, I guess you can see Aquaman and Batman, but who cares? It's Wonder Woman. It's She's back. You guys loved her three months ago. See her again. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I, but the, other, the other part of that is if this trailer does come on in, during Comic-Con, you have to make a splash at Comic-Con to really stand out because there's just so many announcements that come that the sheer just amount of them can cannibalize each other. So to have the big one, unless you save it for the very end, which WB's panel is the opening on Saturday in Hall H, so they they don't have that luxury. It's gonna be out. It's gonna be one of the the first things that day. So it could dominate for a couple hours, but then you know by the time Fox or Marvel get around, they could announce something else that maybe puts less attention towards justice league. But so I think that's where if they want to secure the fact that we have the biggest thing at comic-con, I think that's why they would show Superman because showing his return would just, I know it would just have a huge reaction. People would, people would lose it. But the other side, like you could, I think it would have a similar reaction if you just showed Steppenwolf. Not to that same level of Superman, because most most people don't even know who Steppenwolf is. Yeah. But if you end it with you know a shot of Steppenwolf doing something really awesome, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Oh snap, that's the villain that the Just League have to go up against." Yeah, that makes the battle that's going to take place in this movie that much more interesting. Yeah, like imagine him bearing down on uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Right, like, you know one epic looking monster villain and because he you know his size can be anything yeah like you know a hologram means nothing mm-hmm. for his physical appearance yeah, you know we've seen snoke right <laughs> yeah and you know in relative in relative uh, in relative terms so you know imagining her charging into battle against like something that's the size of a dragon or you right. know wh- whatever it may be uh would be insane Mm -hmm. and that would be an epic closing shot and almost so gladiatorial you know and i could almost envision that already being the case um from zach so yeah you you know like you you have to you because marvel and everybody else is going to try to sell their november movies Mm -hmm. or their their fall or their winter movies 
yeah, you gotta make you you have to be the presence. Mm-hmm. And so whatever they've got planned, I'm sure is gonna be huge, or at least you know at least go for broke, right? Because this movie is make or break for a lot of future films. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they won't do the Superman thing because even though the Justice League trailer is going to come at San Diego Comic-Con, maybe they have something else big up their sleeve that they're going to announce that's just going to blow everybody away and that's going to be the big announcement that they're going to keep people talking because they didn't see it coming and because it's just super awesome. Mm-hmm. What that could be, I have no idea, but that's another factor. So uh, I think both we're both on the side that we don't want Superman to be in the marketing but the bottom line is, will he? Yes. Ultimately, you they don't keep him out because yeah. I just think I just think that's so. I'm I'm cynical about WB management and marketing, uh-huh. be, but I imagine at least part of him will be shown. Whether it's a a bullet smashing through, you know, an, an invading alien ship or whatever the case is some Superman's presence is going to be noted in a trailer um, before the movie comes out. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to show him hopefully not a lot, but I don't see WB ending this marketing campaign without showing Superman's glorious return. Uh, You know, I think it'd be so much better on the big screen for the first time. It's still, as long as they do it right, whether or not they show it in the trailer won't matter. So, uh, that's our thoughts on Superman and his potential role in the Just League marketing. And that's all we got for this episode. But as always, we'll be back next week with a review of War for the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And a movie that's getting uh, impeccable word of mouth. Yeah. Which is, I mean, to be expected, but Dawn didn't get that. I mean, it got, oh, it's a good next chapter. But this is, this is like Oscar type mm-hmm. word of mouth like in, in terms of character in terms of story um and then the the, the cg on the the mocap and the cg on the monkeys uh are saying is it looks is impeccable like yeah. you know better than the what we've already seen and that's hard to beat <laughs> and that's hard to beat yeah so i am i am so stoked to see what mavs Reeve, matt reeves uh has up his sleeve for us this time what andy circus has got for us uh because it, this is a series I never expected to care about. Right. And and I definitely do now. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I really liked, I really liked rise. I loved Dawn and based on everything I've seen from the trailers, every review and reaction I've seen, it seems like I'm going to love war even more than I love Dawn. And I didn't even know if that was really possible. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that's going to come down to Andy circus, his performance as Caesar, as long as it's up to par, as it was in Dawn. If it's better, I mean, that's just something else. Woody Harrelson, I think, is going to be a great villain. You have Matt Reeves as the director. There's so many factors. I think I just point to this being a huge hit during the summer. Hopefully, it gets that same box office. You know, it's rewarded at the box office. And Mm -hmm. I know Matt Reeves has talked about that. Maybe this isn't the last chapter in this franchise. And if everything goes according to how I think it is in my brain, that I'm going to love this movie, then I hope it's not because it's it's turned out to be one of the best franchises going since, you know, I mean, well, 2011 or whatever the first, the whenever Rise came out. So. I'm going to say 2008. I mean, it's been a while. Each movie is just really 
2017 is what I think those dates okay. are. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the last decade. We'll Absolutely. Just, we'll, make it, we'll just make it broad and say that. So, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of expectations for this movie and anticipation for it, and I think it's going to hit it and hopefully surpass all of that. So, it's one of those movies I... I've been just dying to see all year and the fact that it's a week away now or less than that from when we're recording uh, makes that much better. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's all we got for this week. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet and more. Plus head over to iTunes, give us a five star review with comments so we can climb the charts on iTunes. People can find us better. And if you do so before between now and the end of the summer, you'll be entered to win a prize pack of posters from the summer season we're working on getting a couple more because so far haven't been that many that i've personally found so uh hopefully we'll make it worth your while if you do that and if not we'll find some other way to reward you guys hopefully um but that's all we got so during our time away be sure to tell us your thoughts everything we covered by between us at friends and film we use the updates on the podcast movie news and more you can follow me personally on twitter at coops underscore hoops and you can argue with me josh at just joshua ryan Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh, thanks for stopping by, everyone. And be sure to tune next week for a review of War for the Play of the Apes. <laughs>